Hello and welcome to the Help More People podcast, where our goal is to help spiritually conscious entrepreneurs find more clients and help more people. I'm your host, Adam Nicholson, and we have a special show for you today with Lisa DeHart. This is part two of our conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend going back and listening to Storyjacking Your Relationships. Lisa has a ton of of great advice and insights into how we can create a new narrative around the way we look at our relationships. Uh, Lissa has over 25 years of experience working with individuals and organizations. She is a relationship expert and narrative coach, focusing on our relationship with ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves. She's written the best-selling book, Storyjacking, Change Your Inner Dialogue, Transform Your Life, and she also works with groups and individuals in their rituals to draw on their empowered stories, internal wisdom, and self-awareness. Lissa creates safe spaces to explore limiting beliefs and the internal narratives that keep people from playing full out in their world. And she's passionate about supporting people to craft a story worth living. So thanks for being here, Lissa. Well, thank you, Adam. I'm glad to be here. So again, this is part two of our conversation. And, you know, I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper and talk about storyjacking around our businesses. You know, a lot of the listeners are conscious entrepreneurs. So, you know, just talking about how that can impact our business. But before we get into that, can you just tell us again? I know we went over it in part one, but, you know, what is storyjacking? What does that mean? Well, it is really this idea that we take a look and get curious stories and notice the stories that we're telling ourselves that aren't serving us and make get curious about those, develop our awareness around those stories, and then choose a new narrative and start working towards a different way to be in relationship to the situations and stories that are happening around us. So with that and with our businesses, you know, one of the common things I hear uh, with clients and is, is, you know, this imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I need to, you know, be more educated here and there for anyone to take me seriously. And, you know, it has a, a ripple trickle down effect that, that, ends up going into our pricing and who we contact and and how we talk about ourselves. How do you see that imposter syndrome affecting the entrepreneurs that you work with? Well, I think that number one imposter syndrome is it is so common and it is so it's so prevalent at a pretty deep level. So what I notice is that it just sort of rides below the surface for most people. Anytime they're doing something that is new or outside of their comfort zone. And one of the, I mean, one of the tenets of entrepreneurism, of course, is that you are going to be showing up in a different way and you're fully responsible for your business at that point, right? And so for many people, that is outside of a comfort zone. Um, I don't know. And, and let me ask you this. I'm going to just throw this back at you, Adam. 
Do you notice with your clients, because I do notice this with mine also, that there are some unrealistic expectations around how business is going to manifest for them? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I think that part of what happens with imposter syndrome or any of these stories of not being good enough and needing more, and maybe I'll purchase that program or I'll take this one, um, really comes out of this sense of an unrealistic expectation about what the realities of starting a business are. So then we go into a business and we're not fully prepared for the reality of the amount of work and the amount of time and energy that it takes to develop relationships with people, to to find our tribe, really. And so then I think people get very disheartened. And I think that's a big part of imposter syndrome because it didn't happen so quickly. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Hmm. And so can can you tell us a little bit more about how you see, you know, the stories we tell ourselves, let's say we create this narrative. Or actually, let me step back. You know, I hear a lot about affirmations and manifestation. You know, a lot of us do that and it, and it certainly is good. But where do you see the the connection between the affirmations and how that plays out in our day-to-day business. Cause it's like, and I am asking because of what you just said in terms of, you know, we have these expectations of what's going to happen, but then you, you know, you have to go out, you have to develop these relationships, which takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. And so Mm -hmm. where do you see the balance there between those two things? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's, it's a funny thing, like, you know, 50, 50, I I don't even believe in 50, 50 anymore. I think, you know, it's, I think the balance is constantly shifting and it's that ability to be a bit agile and nimble as you navigate, you navigate your business. And I think it probably depends on you, the person individually and what their business is also. Um, But when it comes to affirmations, I think affirmations can be incredibly helpful in one regard, which is they start to remind you. They remind you of what you're capable of, but it also reminds you of where you want to go. And so I don't just believe in having an affirmation like you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, everybody loves you. Um, I think there's also... I can breathe through my fear. I think that affirmation has served me better than any other affirmation I've ever had. Or a visual, like for some people, it's not an auditory, you know, inspiration that's going to be meaningful. But like, I, I, you can't see me, but I've got red hair and I come, my, my people were Vikings at one point. And so I had this vision of these people laughing at the bow of a boat in a heavy sea, right? And that image in and of itself, like has been an image that I've held in my, in my mind when I think of my own business and just like facing my fears 
and continuing to move forward through them. And so whatever affirmation or whatever visualization that you can really feel within your entire sense of yourself, those are the affirmations to surround yourself with. Not just like quotes of empowerment, but the ones that resonate deeply inside of you. And I think that that's where you start to make the shift. Because if you're just all in your head around it, 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 it takes forever to shift all in your head. If you're in alignment between like your head, your heart, and your gut, and you have some affirmations that you feel with your whole body, those are the ones that I think are, are most effective in being able to create shifts and changes. Mm-hmm. Yes, such an important distinction. You know, I completely agree in, yeah, having it come through your head and vocalizing it, but it has to resonate with your heart and your gut and your whole body and feeling it in your body. You know, Lissa, in part one, you had talked about, you know, doing the work to find the stories that you want to emulate. You know, we had talked a lot about growing up with our parents and seeing them as models for relationships or Hollywood or, you know, these these sort of that create a limited narrative for us and how we have to work to get outside of that, to find other narratives, other stories that we can build our lives on. How does that come into our businesses? How can we do that for our businesses? There's a couple there's a couple thoughts sort of bubbling to the surface as you ask that question and and one of them is what is your purpose for creating this business? And I mean not to be disingenuous because I think there's this sense of I mean we want to create a living, right? So that's a part of it. But if all you're doing is creating a business just to make a living, it's going to be very difficult to embody all the work <laughs> and breathe through all the complications if you don't have passion behind what you're doing. So I think part of the, the narrative to be really curious about is what is, you know, what is the purpose behind what you're doing? What is the benefit that you're looking at sharing? What is it that you're trying to offer the world? And get real clarity around that so that then the enthusiasm and excitement that you feel like, I love what I do. I love my clients. I have so much fun working with people doing what I do. And if you, if I was just like creating, like there's things that I love in the world. Like I love to do photography, but I don't want to be a photographer as a business. I wouldn't have the passion for the business elements of photography. So it's not enough that I love photography. I, I have to be, I have to be passionate and driven and purposeful about what it is that I do so that I'll have the energy to push through whatever comes up regarding creating the business. And and there is a lot that comes up in creating a business that we have to push through. So having more than just a desire, but but a purpose behind it is really important, I think, as part of the story. Yes. However, I think that is really difficult (laughs) 
for for many people i know you know for for me when i started my business i i had no idea what i was doing and you know i just thought i would open up a a, a marketing consulting firm and it took so much deep diving into myself to find that purpose to find that passion and keep narrowing it down um and it, and it, you know as i change and grow the business changes and grows so it's it's never ending it seems um but i have to say i you know when i did find that when i did find that passion when i did discover what my purpose truly was you know everything changed and the way I approached work changed, the way I woke up in the morning changed, the way I went to sleep changed. And it's, yeah. it was wonderful. Well, and you bring up something that I think is really important to just reiterate. If you don't have a passionate purpose and, and a, and a, um, the word value is coming up for me, but like a real connection to what it is that you're doing Honestly, you might as well just be working for somebody else because you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, geez, here we go again, right? Like that's not the way you want to wake up if you're if you're in business for yourself and you and you want to enjoy yourself and have a life that you're creating. Because I think for entrepreneurs, there's a there's a reality of where's the line between working and not working because you're typically working from home. You may be a bit in a a vacuum because you're in your office all by yourself. And um, if you don't love what you do, you're now doing it all by yourself. At least if you worked for somebody else, you know, you had the guaranteed, you know, every two weeks you'd get a paycheck and who is, you maybe liked some of the people that you worked with. So I think there's this need to really, and I think what I'm hearing you say is really kind of niche down and really get clarity around what is this purpose and who is, who is it that I'm serving? Yes. Right. And I mean, we hear this all the time from consultants. It's like niche down, niche down. You need to f find your unique place in the in the market, which is critical. I think as a as a marketer, it's something I always recommend to, to clients that they do if just so they can have you know increased revenue and make a spot for themselves. But I also think on the emotional and spiritual level, it is really critical. You know, so many people I talk to, and this was me when I started as well. It's like, you know, I just wanted to help people do things or help people do this. And, uh, and I usually find it's just not enough. It's like, you know, you really need to have clarity around, who do you want to work with? Who do you really want to help? And and also, who 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 do you have access to helping right now? Because if you don't have access to them, then you're going to start telling yourself a new story and get stuck in that narrative of you can't find them, so you're not helping them, so you know you're no good, things like that. And it's just can have such an impact on not just the business, but your own personal well-being. Yeah. And, you know, you just said something that I think is, is really important, which is I came to this idea of niching down um, and getting clarity around who my ideal client was. And I came to it very reluctantly. 
And I had a story about how I can help everybody. So like I can work with anybody, everybody, the whole planet is my ideal client. <laughs> and it's not that that isn't true because there is, I mean, I can work with anybody who wants to do the work, right? Like that is my ideal client on some level. And yet when it comes to really trying to find your tribe and communicate and create a community and a relationships with people, the more crystalline and more clarity you have around who your ideal client is and what, what benefit you're offering them, the more on point your communication becomes, the less wasted money <laughs> on trying to speak to everybody. And it's a very crowded field out there. So like if we're looking at our stories, what is the story that stops us from wanting to just really get clarity and and in a real, oh, like I don't have a better word than clarity. So I'll just stick with clarity, like real clarity around who we want to work with and what the purpose of our work is. Right. And, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to add there is as I was struggling to niche down, because um, I think we all, particularly conscious entrepreneurs, because we, you know, we, I think we come at it from a slightly different perspective. Um, but there is this reluctance and pushback to niche down. And, you know, he would always tell me this. He's a wonderful consultant, Kai Davis, but he would always say, you know, this is just dating. It's not marriage. It's like, you're just dating this niche. So don't worry. You can change it. You can break up anytime you want. Um, and that's a much better narrative, right? Versus I'm like, I'm going to create this niche and I'm stuck there for the rest of my life. You're not. But it's changing that relationship to that story. Right. Yeah, which is so important, you know, and as soon as you do change that story, you change that narrative, you you gain this objectivity and this clarity and understanding. And it's absolutely right. You know, it's it's everything is lighter. You're of course I can change the website whenever I want. I can change my marketing whenever I want. But for right now, it's this is who I'm working with. And you know, and I think a lot of this also goes back to some of the stuff we talked about in part one with relationships, you know, because as we work through our personal issues, our traumas, our energy that's just stuck in our bodies, as we work through that, you know, we begin to develop these new relationships with new people. And that's also important for our businesses because it's going to open up new doors. Or if you try to burst through a door, and you haven't worked through that, if you haven't created a new narrative around that type of person, it's just going to continue to recycle in the same old pattern. Yeah, I, I can't. Um, I always, <laughs> this is one of my favorite things to say. I can't, like, I can't prove reincarnation. But what I do see is people reincarnate old patterns into new relationships all the time. And wherever you have um, wherever you have unfinished business inside of yourself, 
a wound that hasn't been resolved, an anger that you're holding on to, an attitude or a mindset that is less than useful, you will reincarnate that into every situation you find yourself in. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. So, Lisa, what are some of the other common stories you see entrepreneurs telling themselves? And how do you see it well, impacting their businesses? Some of the things that I see entrepreneurs struggling with are, are really, I think that there is this desire so much to help people. And then we get we get into the business of business and having a business and it activates this sense of we're not good enough because they're not breaking down our doors. We didn't go viral. Um, and so I think it can be very disheartening. And then what I see people doing is instead of giving something a hundred percent and really going back to that idea of niching down, if you've got a niche that is so broad and you're like scattershot everywhere, it's exhausting, right? So people are just energetically depleted and then they don't have the energy to step forward and really focus on the thing that they're focused on right now that they can grow from, right? Like you said, you're just dating the niche. It's not like you're marrying it. You're just dating it. So just date the niche and, and do it consciously and develop it and develop it into a relationship that is sustainable. And then you can go into the next niche. Um, and I, so I think it's the spreading themselves too thin. I think it is not having clarity around realistic expectations. I think there is shame that gets activated when people aren't as successful as they thought they were going to be as quickly as they thought they were going to be. And I think, you know, depending on what kind of person you are, you know, if you're a type of person who's shy and, um, and you're now having to try and market yourself. And I don't just mean introverted. I'm an introverted person because I get my energy from a small core group of people and I need downtime between events to recharge my batteries. But if you're afraid to speak up about what you do, you're not confident about what you're doing, it really, it really is useful to build those, those structures within yourself so that you have that you bring forward your confidence like what are you really confident that you have to offer and start there because that's the story you're going to be able to have energy behind and you're not going to be like leaking energy off into areas that don't really serve you or your clients Yes. I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. You know, it brings to mind one of the one of the methods that I use a lot for my own business is and for clients as well is this idea of micro wins and I purposefully try to set up, you know, when if I'm developing a new product or a new idea and I'm really scared about it. There's a lot of fear around it, but I know I have to do it. You know, I, so I 
try to purposefully set up these situations where I can either fail safely or have a little micro win around it. You know, so it's so at the end of the day, it you know it wasn't a big deal, maybe in the grand scheme of things, but it gave it's totally gave me the opportunity to test it out, to get over my fear, and to have a little bitty micro win that I can be happy about, and that in my experience, totally reframes the narrative and totally jacks that story into a more positive direction. And the fear is gone or at least dissipated in a big way so that I can take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a client actually who talked to me about what he calls sprints. And he says, you know, every quarter you have three goals that you're just focused on. And you maybe even give yourself like a little financial um, bonus if you make your your three goals for that quarter. And you just really, you, you might be doing other things too, but you focus on these three goals. And, and I think something else that you said also, which is really shifting our narrative idea of failure. Like failure is normal. It is how we learn. It isn't necessarily fun, yet we learn so much about what worked and what didn't work. And so giving ourselves that, that freedom to explore and try things and have them not work and be okay with that. Like that is, that's a narrative that's epically important to an entrepreneur being successful. Yes. Epically important. One thing I would add to that is I think it's critical that as we put ourselves in situations where failure may be an option or is likely to be an option, that that is a time that we definitely have to create that new narrative that says failure is good, I'm going to learn a lot, I'm going to grow from this and not make the same mistakes twice. I know for me, as someone who just grew up being a perfectionist and having to have everything just right, this has been one of the hardest lessons for me. And surprisingly, it's become one of the ones that I have loved the most. When I, when I am starting something new, I've gotten into this framework of, you know, I am just so excited to see what's going to fail because it's, I'm just so, I'm just maybe not ex- excited. It's not the right word, but just so curious, you know, yeah. because what I think is going to fail is it might resonate with, with someone else and you just never know. And it, and you do, you learn so much. And if you go into it with an open mind and a gracious mind and gratitude and take note of what doesn't work and then change it again. And it, you know, and it'll never happen again, hopefully. There's a, yeah, there's really a playfulness that that I think is so important to the process. And, you know, we talk about innovation and creativity, and we don't have innovation and creativity until we're willing to fail at something because the stakes are too high. If you're if you have to do it perfectly from the get-go, the stakes are so high. It is almost it is almost debilitating and it's hard to take that first step. Yes, it is. And a lot of us get stuck on that first step and we just never take it because we want it to be perfect. 
which is a dangerous place to be as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it it really is. Because I mean, first off, it's unrealistic that anybody's going to be perfect the first time out of the gate. And frankly, maybe even the 20th time out of the gate, depending on the gate. And I think that there is the lesson that we learn through the experience that then can guide us in how we are supportive and helpful to others. And we don't, if we don't have the experience, we're just talking in platitudes. We're not talking from the felt experience of shift and change and jacking our stories. Right. Yes. Well, Lissa, this was all wonderful, all incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, you can find more information about Lissa at lissadehart.com. That's L-Y-S-S-A-D-E-H-A-R-T.com. And before we go, Lissa, would you please take a few moments to plug your services? Because, you know, for everyone listening, Lissa is doing a ton of great work. She has a ton of great content. So tell us where we can get more of you. Well, definitely at my website, listentoheart.com. And you can always get my book, Story Jacking, at Amazon. Go to your local bookstore. They can order it for you if they don't have it. And you can um, go to your library also. It's available at libraries. And start to really look at how you want to craft a story worth living. Because, you know, it's we have this this time on this planet to do something with that's extraordinary. We might as well be taking advantage of that. Beautiful. I love that. Well, again, Lissa, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate the opportunity.